Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. We are once again joined by the great, the venerable, the best to do it, Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. Alex, we got into a fascinating conversation with him last time talking about how the Knicks could acquire guys currently in the league to suit their playoff needs. But in this one, we explore a different avenue. Yeah, we check out, of course, the draft, which is coming up soon. Talk about some of the players that have been interesting to us in this pre-draft process so far. Guys that could potentially be good fits for the Knicks. Give them the creation, the shooting, the wing and guard depth that they've been looking for. So we get into a pretty interesting discussion about a lot of the different guys in the draft who we might be comfortable maybe trading up for, guys that we would like the Knicks to take if they hold steady at their picks, all kinds of great stuff. So lots of draft talk coming up next in this episode of Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. You are locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join Alex and I this week, Thursday at 5 o'clock to get in on the action. Again, I'm Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And we are joined by Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. So without further ado, let's get back into it, our conversation with Jonathan focusing on the draft. To me, this draft does present a golden opportunity, but probably, and not, not 100%, because someone could definitely fall to 19 or 21 but probably only if the Knicks trade up. And everyone's big concern is point guard. And I, I totally get it. The Knicks, I would love for the Knicks to come away with Sharif Cooper or Josh Giddy or, or someone who could be considered like a quote-unquote primary ball handler of the future. But if we're talking about quickly potentially being that guy, and to me, like I, I really do believe in, in him to that extent, then I, I just think you, you just have to insulate the numbers there. And, and it really, the Hawks showed you, I mean, it, it, it took two, three years, but it can be done pretty quickly. And, and if I'm just looking at this draft, guys like Keon Johnson, who I just read posted a 48-inch vertical leap at the Combine. Yeah. Far and away yeah. record. Um, probably going to go higher. But or, or Moses Moody, Zaire Williams, Jaden Springer, uh, Franz Wagner, all guys that you probably have to, maybe not for Williams or or, um, or Springer, but you probably have to get somewhere between 8 and 13. But the good news is the Knicks have two picks and a, a number of other assets where that feels very, very feasible. If they find a team like New Orleans who says, yeah, we can trade back and get Corey Kispert or someone like him at 19. I, I think this is the Knicks' opportunity to go and get that guy. And then in free agency, not that there's a plethora of those dudes, but I don't think it'd be crazy that he, he's restricted, but to throw a lot of money at someone like Bruce Brown or to a slightly lesser degree, Taylor Horton Tucker. I know those guys aren't necessarily perfect solutions, but I do think even if they're they're obviously a couple notches below like a Bogdanovich or a Herter, like those guys provide real utility for you. And I think Brown in particular showed in that net series, even if he's far from perfect, like he can certainly play a role for a playoff team surrounded by enough talent. And, and I just think the Knicks have to really sell out and maybe take a chance on someone kind of young 
who could take a leap and, and overpay Alex, to your point, a little bit to get that guy. And all of a sudden, if you're the Knicks, at the very least, you're, you're, you're buying some lottery tickets for finding those two-way wings. And that's sort of what you have to do because the guys who are already proven at those spots, Mikhail Bridges, he's going to be getting like $21, 22000000 million. And, and the Suns probably, he's, he's not going anywhere. Like the Suns are going to sell out for it because we're seeing it right now. He is like what makes that team work and what makes that team greater than the sum of his parts is the fact that he's there and he's connecting everything defensively and making it all work. So I, I just think the Knicks... Like it might not work and you might sign Bruce Brown and then you're like all of a sudden, oh man, I guess this guy, he's, he's only kind of a 32% three-point shooter in this series. But you kind of have to take that chance because if not, they just don't really have the pieces to win, win well, the playoffs. But John, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. No, to, I mean, just to your to your point, it's a great one because you, there are two things that you have to draft because you're not, I mean, if, if, if you are lucky enough to get someone to say yes in free agency, you're going to be paying out the nose. One is starting point guard and two is – or, or two, a starting point guard that's a shot creator and two is a two-way wing. Um, so to shamelessly plug my newsletter um, from today in which I wrote about Trey Mann who is the one point guard prospect in this draft that I think is worth taking a shot on because of, of the shot creation potential and because I think he could he can be – like what, what you're saying about quickly, I think Trey Mann um, can, can be that except – He's um, a little bit bigger than quickly, and I I, I think the there's a uh, maybe a slightly higher potential in terms of the playmaking. Um, but I digress. I, I went through all of the starting point guards in the league this year. Um, Two thirds of them were top seven picks, and the ones who are starting point guards who are not top seven picks are on teams where someone else is doing the primary creation. So like. You're not like you have to draft those guys high. So in terms of like what shots do you take at 19 or 21 or even if you could package 19 and 21 to move up to, let's say, 11 or 12 or 13 or even 10, like the odds are you're not getting your starting point guard of the future at that spot. Like, I don't know, maybe Davion Mitchell is the exception to the rule, but like. He's a 23-year-old junior, you know, Um, is is he like I know he took a leap this year, but like. Eh, I don't know. What are the odds there? Um, and then wings, like I'm thinking about someone like OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi, the Raptors made a bet on him, and I would argue bought low. And what did they pay? It's like four years, 70 plus million dollars. And that was coming off a season that he averaged 10 points a game. Um, and he wasn't even shooting threes on high volume. Now, after the year he just had, that looks like an amazing bargain. Um, that's And to your Mikal Bridges point, like that's what these guys go for. Um, you do need them um, because here's the thing. You could find all the other stuff, right? You could get a Taj Gibson for a minimum contract and he could serviceably fill in for you for 25 minutes a game at center. You could find shooting, right? Like you could, there's always going to be shooting out there. It might not be perfect shooting, but you could find shooting. Um, these wings are like my only issue. And I'll, I'm curious what you guys think is like, you know, you mentioned Keon Johnson. Someone's taking that. I don't know if it's going to be OKC. I don't know if it's going to be Golden State. I, I personally don't think he falls lower than, than eight to Orlando. Because, um, like, look at the package and, like, look at the league today. After him, who's – I mean, Moody is the – I guess would be the guy. But do you guys really see Leon Rose packaging his whole draft and then coming away with Moody? I Maybe? I don't, I don't, I don't know about the whole draft. I think – 
I think there's a world where, you know, if one of these guys gets to say, oh, I'm trying to think what team might be the one. I, that would- I think it's New Orleans because of the potential for an Eric Bledsoe salary dump. And that's the only yeah. reason I say New Orleans. It could potentially be New Orleans. I mean, if you're just looking at other teams, too, though, that might potentially be looking to add more depth or whatever. I mean, maybe Indiana might be interested. Maybe Washington a team like that, you know, if you could move like 19 and 21 to move up five, six spots, I mean, why, take 19, someone like that. 19 and 21 for 15 would be great value for Washington. It's just a matter of. It, it, would, it would have to be the Knicks would be sold on someone, you know, that maybe felt like I think a guy that they might potentially look at because he's definitely he's definitely a Tibbs fit and he's definitely the type of guy that I think based off of what they sort of prioritized last year that would be like a Leon Rose and World Wide West kind of guy um, would be Book Knight, I, I think is a potential guy. Oof. Like, I mean, and I know that some it, he's very polarizing, but... He, well, the shot. I mean, what are you getting yeah. at the shot? Yeah, like, are you are you going to get a, a guy who can shoot the three? But the, the thing that he has that Tibbs loves is the ability to get inside and finish and yeah. draw fouls. And, you know, I I could see a world where they try to convert him to... Not necessarily a point guard, but where he's sort of the the quote unquote point guard in the in the mold of like Point Burks last year. Well, can, uh, can I just interject more capable. for a second? Yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. the the fascinating question also that like look and and this is um Trey Young is the opposite of this because Trey Young is like a like a, a point guard's point guard. Like he could make every pass, he has the vision, he has the touch, like he doesn't he puts the ball exactly where it needs to go for these lobs to Capella. That's why it makes it amazing. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, when you're talking about guys like um, you know, like I mentioned, Seth Curry, you know, you're talking about a guy like Reggie Jackson, right? Reggie Jackson, what he's doing and he's been doing for the Clippers, like this whole this whole playoffs. Even a guy like Campaign, like I went back and watched like all of his assists from like the last several games. Like Kim, you know, yes. Is he a point guard? Technically, yes, sure. Is he making these like high level reads? Like, no, he's breaking down the defense and then he's putting the ball where where the obvious pass is to go. Can Book Knight make the obvious open pass? Um, that's the question. And I think it's a fair one to 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 ask. And then and then it because then it because then if you get that scoring and you could survive with him at the one, then it opens up so many more doors for you. All right, guys, it's about that time. Let's take our first break and remind you that this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with Alex, me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Knicks once a week, so yes, you, that's right, you, can finally join in on the conversation you listen to on here every single day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join convos about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Be sure to join us this week, Thursday at 5.30. Go download the free Green Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. You can follow me at Gavin Dash Shaw, Alex at Alex Dash Wolf to be notified when our room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it again. We're going to be live this Thursday at five o'clock. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks. We'll see you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. The other thing too to consider is that I think there's also a chance that maybe it's not even just for that lead guard type. 
you know, because maybe the Knicks do believe in quickly to that extent as well. And they think, you know, sort of like Gavin, like he could be that guy, but maybe they try to make a move up for, I mean, someone is going to have to drop at some point and someone is going to get reached for at a certain point as well. Like that's the other thing is that some, there's going to be at least one or two, maybe even three reaches in the top, like 15 picks. Like it's just that kind of year where someone's going to be sold on someone and say, we need to get this guy now especially because of how many teams own multiple picks, like some teams that's their only shot, you know? And so, and they know like, Oh, like the Knicks have two picks. So like they might take, you know, one sure thing and one guy that's going to be more of a long-term shot. So if we want this long-term shot, we're going to have to take them early, you know, like, cause there's so many teams that could have those varied strategies, like the Rockets or another one, um, the thunder, you know, those sort of teams, it's going to be very varied priorities in this draft, but like, Someone is going to fall, and I think there's a chance that if it's one of those wings, also the Knicks might look for that as well. Because if you look at, if you look at, say, like a, a Franz Wagner, um, if you maybe Jalen Johnson drops, I know that he he doesn't seem to be getting a ton of hype despite he, being a pretty blue chip guy. He's a four though. If there's one position, it's funny we were yeah. talking about this on my pod, and you were saying yeah. like you don't want them to draft a center. I'd actually yeah. be much more comfortable with them drafting a center than I would drafting a, a, a guy four. a four. Yeah, yeah. Except for I guess it is if there's a world where where Johnson is the guy that lets you be comfortable playing small, in which case I would be into it. Like if you think, oh, Johnson can provide enough protection <sighs> to back up Randall and that sort of thing, which he did. He had good, he, you know, stocks numbers at Duke, but yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily an NBA rim protector per se. Um, I, but, I like I like him at the four, or sorry, I like him at the five more than I do the the three. That's for sure. Even though, he's yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, that's just an idea to throw out, like just a name. But you know, it could be him. It could be Keon Johnson. Although you said, you know, and I agree, he probably won't fall that far. Maybe it's Moody. Maybe it's. Um, Kispert, although I'm not as sold on Kispert because I think that he's going to end up being a little more one-dimensional in the NBA. He, um, I could see him being the guy that falls maybe not to 19, but close. close. Yeah. 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 But so maybe it's one of those guys. But at any rate, you know, outside of the top five, it's kind of a crapshoot. So even if the Knicks would see somebody in that early teens range that – really spoke to them and they said, no, that's our guy. And they would trade 19 and 21. I wouldn't be heartbroken if they did that. Now I also would be totally cool with them using all three picks. Cause I think that this is the type of draft where there's a lot of guys that I think should be able to slot right in and not have too much in the way of rookie jitters and all that. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. and, and I think there's real talent that you can find at the 19th and 21st pick. I think probably my ideal would be if you could talk some team into like 19 and 32 for, you know, pick 15 or that's, whatever. That's what I'm thinking. And then yeah. don't forget, we see so often in these drafts, it's not just one move. And we saw, we saw it with the Knicks last year. They made, you know, multiple. They, they, they pulled eight eight cumulative draft spots out of their butt. Yeah. So, so you know, who's to say that he doesn't, you know, Ballard doesn't swap, you know, 19 and 32 for, you know, 15 or 16 and then yeah. turns around and swaps, you know, 15, you know, uh, 21 and like, you know, I know people don't like to toss this into trades, but I'll, I'm going to do it right now. Like the 23 Dallas pick and see if they mm-hmm. could move up maybe into like six, seven, eight, maybe not six, but like, you know, eight, eight nine range like that. It's, I don't know. 
So I'm just going to toss like three more names out there, then I'll shut up for a minute and maybe throw it to Gavin because I feel bad. I think we've been going back and forth for like 10 minutes now. No, I'm, um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, the the other names that have been intriguing to me lately, and I'm curious maybe your guys' thoughts on these, you know, both of you. Uh, Daishin Nix, I think, is being really overlooked given his pedigree and the fact that now in like the um, the anthrometric, you know, stuff and whatever, he's testing out really good despite having a quote unquote high body fat content at like 10%. Um, he's plump. You know, he, yeah, he's testing out as an athlete is really, really great. And yeah. I think that's a sleeper for a potential lead guard prospect you can get later in this draft, maybe even as far as their second round pick. Although I really doubt he's going to make it that far if he keeps testing well. Um, Chris Duarte of Oregon. I, I'm into him as well. Older player, but like, I think one that could be that scoring player that you need and could score in a variety of different ways. Uh, He's just old, you know, but we've seen guys like Malcolm Brogdon come into the league old and it works, you know, and they sometimes even still have room to improve, which Brogdon has done in leaps and bounds. And then the other name that I was going to throw out is uh, BJ Boston because of the, because of the uh, Kentucky connection or whatever. But I'm curious. I mean, I think people have started to hear my takes on these guys. Maybe not Nick's because he's a fresh guy I'm bringing up. But like, what are your guys' thoughts on on those guys potentially as guys that the Knicks hang around at those 19 and 21? Um, yeah, I mean, Nick's is an interesting name just because he was, you know, like a borderline top 20 recruit coming into this year. Um, and then the G League, like, I, you know, it, it's it's weird. It's And it's funny you compared him to a guy like Boston because Boston obviously was a top like five or six recruit coming into this year. And then he had just the worst season ever. If you look at historically guys that came in that highly ranked as recruits and then struggled that much in college and then came out after one year of college, like the track record of those dudes becoming um, – like even good NBA players is it's like, it doesn't happen often. And like, I know it's Kentucky and I know like Kentucky guys like have this thing or it's like, they don't look at it in Kentucky, but I just, I don't know. I, I was real. I, I did a lot of, I did some homework on Boston and like, I wanted to like him so bad. I, I was, but I just, I can't really get there. Knicks who knows because it was in the G league bubble. Um, so I don't really have an opinion on him. If they, if they took a shot on him at 32, I'd be fine with it. Duarte is the guy, man, that really interests me. And I feel like, uh, who said it? One of the one of the national draft analysts uh, made the comparison, which is basically like you're getting a guy that if he was a free agent this summer, you know, I, look, we don't know for sure because nobody knows for sure with these draft guys, but like he's probably going to be a guy who the day he steps foot into an NBA gym, he's essentially the equivalent of like a 10 to $12 million a year player in terms of what he could do on the floor. So you're getting like four for 40 something worth of production four at the place you're going to take him in the draft four for like 10, you know, like just as a value proposition, I know this, I know the upside isn't there. The ceiling's not there, whatever. Like, man, if they, if they stuck at these picks and they use one of them on him, I would, I would be doing backflips. I would love that. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our second break. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And, you know, how could it not be with nine delicious flavors always in the rotation and occasional limited time flavors? My favorites, you know, peanut butter brownie is one of them, salted caramel, mint brownie, and of course, 
coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy, which is one of my favorite candy bars, quite frankly, very underrated. But the thing about Built Bar and their candy bar tasting protein bars is that they're not bad for you like a candy bar. You're not going to have to sit there and look at the wrapper afterwards and figure out how many jumping jacks you're going to have to do to work off that, you know, 600 calorie two bite thing that you just ate. Instead, they give you so much great protein with low calories and low sugar. For example, most bars have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Much better than an actual candy bar and tastes just like one to boot. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You could track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game with teams in the NBA and NHL in the playoffs and the MLB starting to hit pennant race time. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. So go to betonline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now back into it with Jonathan Macri. All right, I'm going to throw out uh, two other names, two guys who I think are are a little bit undervalued, who who don't necessarily fit into the mix of like high level wings that we're talking about. Oh, I guess one does, but um, one guy, and maybe maybe it's right that he's undervalued for for me personally because I can't, I don't think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but um, Alperin Sengin out of uh, the Turkish league. Um, I, I think I, I just think in general, like I mean, you can you can just go back to Luca with this, but. I think it's weird how teams occasionally seem to discount success in Europe um, at really young ages at really high levels. And I, I think Luca was the all-time example of that, where like he, he literally had the best resume of anyone coming into an NBA draft <laughs> ever and yeah. somehow didn't go number one despite that. And, and Sengun seems like kind of a, 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 like a little bit more of like a micro example of that, where he was the MVP of the Turkish League, which to my understanding is... Um, the second best league in Europe after Spain's. And then, um, I mean, again, not a guy, I'd be lying if I said I watched like full games of him, but I've watched like highlights and read up on him a lot. Seems really, really intriguing offensively. Like can shoot, can pass, is like a variety of moves on the low post. And we, we, we've we been talking about this year. All right, what do you, like what, what's the adjustment for the Knicks in the playoffs? Like if, if they need to play a five next to Randall and refuse to play Randall's a small ball five. Like obviously the, the most obvious move to open up the offense is to have a stretch five. Um, but will Tibbs ever sacrifice rim protection? Probably not. So that, that makes Sengin like a tough sell because he's not really great in that capacity yet. But I do think there's, there's a pretty, and this is a point, like I was reading like a John Hollinger um, article, and I know, bad name to say, but um, he, he, I thought he made a really good point in that there is like a pretty long history of like European bigs who aren't that athletic, but are exceptionally smart about the game, turning into like shockingly good defenders. Marcus Gasol is a great one. Nikola Jokic, the fact that like he's like solid despite not having great physical tools. And I just think in general, like when you have guys who, I mean, 
this is like maybe too much of like a general statement, but guys who are just really, really smart about the game and like think it on a high level offensively. I, I sure. kind of think we even saw this on the Nets this year with how good, well they defended the Bucks. Like players that don't have reputations for being like great defenders, like to, to some extent within limits, but like the Kyries and the Hardens of the world, who just seem to be able to turn it up a level and find a way to survive when it comes to the playoffs. And I think I think he'd be a good case study for that. Um, another another guy who falls into this range for me is is Josh Giddy, just because you ultimately like at the end of the day, like I just think the Knicks they need more wings who can do more stuff, like whether it's passing the ball. Shooting the ball, I mean, the passing being the big one, and the idea of adding like a six foot eight guy with like real vision to me, like it, when it, when a teenager can average eight assists in like a relatively high level professional league, the rest of this stuff, it's it just obviously you're taking a bet, and it won't always, but more often than not, it's going to come. And may, maybe Alex, to your point, that's the same argument for Dacian Nix. Like I, I just think vision translates in a real way to other skills, and there's like an inherent basketball IQ there that says. All right, there's a lot of stuff to figure out here, but I'm going to put my faith in this person eventually figuring it out. And obviously, you can you can sort of backtrace with all these guys and say, all right, what were the qualities that made this work? But some guys, you were like, oh, he had crazy athleticism. Why didn't we bet on him? And then you end up with like Derek Jones Jr. Or you could say, oh, this guy had, I mean, like someone like Trey Young, who was like, he was just a brilliant passer. Obviously, he was always going to work. And then you could look at someone like Kendall Marshall out of North Carolina 10 years ago, who then sucked in the NBA. So there's no like one translatable rule or skill. And I try not to fall into that too much. But with someone like Giddy and someone like uh, Sengen who had real, real success in a high-level professional league, to me that that's still one of those like few like high-level indicators that pretty consistently gets undervalued. But Alex, I, I'll, I'll throw it back to you to, to wrap it up on uh, on the draft, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree a lot with what you guys are saying. There is no, there is. Uh, that's the whole thing with the draft. Like to your point that you were just saying, Gavin, is the draft is always a crapshoot. You know, it's. I, I think I've I've gone on this rant a few times on the pod, but like I think people, the way that Nick's draft picks reviewed for so long was that it was star or bust, like by the fan base, yeah. and that always annoyed me because how many stars actually come out of the draft every year? It's like in the very best draft, you get like three or four guys that'll make X number of All Star teams in their career. I mean, we even talk about like uh, like DeAndre Ayton this year playing really great in the playoffs, maybe has an all-star appearance or two in his future coming up. But I mean, he'll probably end his career as like, I don't know, a three-time all-star, something like that. Like if everything pans out right and he was the number one overall pick, you know, like not, you, you don't get those big time stars that often. And especially not like in the range that the Knicks used to be drafting. So I, I think that, you know, we just have to like temper expectations. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that there's a lot of opportunities for the Knicks, unless they really scout someone out perfect to draft like a, a a big time, you know, franchise changer this draft. And I think people need to like adjust their expectations for that. But I, I also think that there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of talent available to them. And it's going to be, you know, picking out the guys that have the right combination of skills. Like, I mean, I love, so you were just talking about great passers, you know, you would think typically they work out in the NBA I'm really drawn to Josh Giddy for that reason, for example. But there's real concerns with like, well, how is Giddy shooting going to translate? And he's sort of like, he's just sort of like a, like a knockoff Lamelo ball in a lot of ways, you know, like doesn't have as developed of a handle, um, makes really great passes, you know, has a really questionable jump shot that, you know, may or may not translate. And then I would say is not nearly as good as LaMelo Ball on defense. Um, 
so it's like, you know, maybe he'll work out or maybe he'll end up being like slightly taller Ricky Rubio or worse. You know, I mean, there's there's all these different outcomes that you could run into with these guys. I, I think that the Knicks, though, they just need to be looking for. I, I don't know. I, I guess there's arguments to be made with a bunch of different things. The nice thing is that they have so many picks, so it's not like they have to nail the one pick and that's it. And that's how it's been so many years for the Knicks. And I think why a lot of a lot of times fans get like kind of kind of testy if the pick didn't work out because it would be like this is the only guy that we get this year. Like <laughs> you know, like if this doesn't work, then we're screwed. You know, and and we're waiting till next year for you know that like franchise changer. What's nice now is with 19, 21, and 32, if they make all three of those picks, or even if they shuffle them around, they end up making two picks or something, you have sort of the same thing like what you had this past year, where maybe you'll end up, you know, maybe you'll end up with an OB top in with the first pick that doesn't work out as well, but you get an Emmanuel quickly with the second pick that that works out better. I, I think what I think if I was the Knicks going into this draft, I mean, I guess to kind of put a bow on this and then Macri, I'll, I'll ask kind of your draft philosophy on this as well. But if I was the Knicks going into this draft, my goals would be get one guy who can for sure contribute from day one. So whether that's like a Duarte or, or um, someone of that mold, you know, get someone that can, that can come in and do NBA things right away from day one, score the ball, you know, play defense, whatever, find someone who's got skills that can put them on the floor next year. And then if you want to use that second pick, even if it's technically the first pick, like maybe they use, um, you know, 19 and 32 to move up to take like Giddy at who might not be ready to contribute this year. You know, I, I think I would like if they used one of their two picks to take someone with that upside and put some faith in their development staff and then use the second pick, you know, if they end up making two picks to take someone with a more like a very sturdy floor, even if it's a, a low ceiling, just someone that can come in and contribute and give some of those NBA skills that we're so desperately looking for. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe be good enough. I, I think there's a very real chance that they could find someone at 21 who could be good enough to even displace like Reggie Bullock next year, potentially, and take his spot in the starting lineup and offer like more creation and, um, you know, just be generally a little better at, a lot of different things than him, or maybe make it so they don't have to re-sign Alec Burks or whatever the case may be. But Macri, what would be your, like, since we, we've gone very draft focused here to end the show, what would be sort of your strategy if you're Leon Rose and Walt Perrin and, and all those guys going into this draft? Um, I, I think my, <laughs> this is going to be a cop-out answer. Um, I think my, my overall strategy would be be flexible in terms of if an opportunity presents itself, like be ready to jump on it. Like for, you know, for example, um, I don't know. Let's go with Sinjin, right? Or I'm probably butchering his pronunciation, right? But Sin- mm-hmm. Sinjin is a guy who I think, you know, you met, um, Gavin, you mentioned Hollinger before. Didn't Hollinger have him like top five or six or something in his yeah, ranking? He had him fourth. Yeah, okay, fourth. Like other Tankathon's got him eight overall as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he's a guy that's a really, really high level prospect. Um, because he's a he's a center who could do like old school center things. He just he could pass from the position, he could score from the position, he's like really good. Is he a guy that is going to necessarily be a post a high level postseason player? If you're going just by precedent, right? Um 
and again, you know, Nikola Jokic, I know he only made it so far this year, but like that's it, you know, to be a non rim protecting, non shooting big, and I understand, I know Jokic shoots it also, but like Sinjun profiles as a guy who's never going to be an elite rim protector. He's not never going to be like probably an elite lob threat, although you don't really need to be a lob threat if you're this offensively skilled. Um, and the shot may never come around. Like, does that limit your ability to ever be? A really like a, a guy who's going to spend 25 30 minutes on the floor in a high level playoff game maybe so if i was to now answer your question and be like i think the knicks only need to draft players that have the possibility to play 25 minutes a game for them in a conference finals or above like that would basically mean that if sinjin slipped to 19 that they shouldn't draft him but guess what there's value sometimes in drafting a guy who might only be who, who is more of an 82 game player than a 16 game player, right? Like you, you shouldn't always turn your back on that. Like, you know, to reference John Collins again, John Collins was a guy who everybody knew coming out of the draft, uh, coming out of college, like that dude could play. Like he was, like it was kind of ridiculous when he fell as far as he did when he fell to the Hawks. The Hawks didn't say like, oh, well, if his shot never comes around, he's not a rim protector. So like what value is he going to give us in like an NBA finals or something like, no, they're like, we're going to take the kid. He's really talented and we'll figure it out later. And that's what they did. And sure enough, his his shot has come around and like he's a great lob threat and like the whole thing. Um, so just be flexible, be ready to pounce on an opportunity and, and you know, if, if I had to be like, what's one thing you want to see? Like shooting I, I, I like shooting with the with, with some other offensive skill um like you know a shooting and being able to, to dribble preferably <laughs> is it, that those are that's a nice combination of, of things um but like I, I re- honestly I, there's no one hard and fast thing for me um just be flexible look for opportunities when they come I think Leon Rose has done a fantastic job of specifically that over the course of his um, short career as uh, Nick's uh, president of basketball operations. And, you know, I hope he does the same thing ahead of this draft. Yeah, Alex, I think, I think that's a good note to end on. Did you have, do you have any final thoughts? No, I think that's it too. I, and I agree, you know, I, I think they should just look to take the best opportunities that present themselves. And the, the main thing that I'm going to be watching for the Knicks in this draft is just if they're, if they're willing to wheel and deal, which I think last year's draft showed us they were. And it was something that I always thought was sorely missing from uh, the Phil Jackson regime. And then the Steve Mills regime was a willingness to move around on draft night because those two guys just seem to always be content to be like, all right, well, we're just going to sit on our hands. We're not going to like, we're going to barely take phone calls and we're just going to take the guys to come up at our pick. Yeah. And, uh, I like that last year, you know, there was a lot of chatter about the Knicks potentially moving up and they ultimately didn't, I think because they were sold on OB and once they knew the OB was going to get to them, they just said, okay, whatever, that's cool. Uh, But then, you know, obviously the wheeling and dealing to move up the eight spots and not be afraid to make moves ahead of draft night in the twenties and stuff like that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty encouraged about uh, how things are going. And probably their willingness to make those moves is due to Intel because if there are two people that would be connected enough in the agent and player communities to know exactly where players are going to go before even like Shams and Woj know, it would be Leon Rose and worldwide West, I think, and, and have a really good idea of who's going to be going where prior to draft night. But 
at any rate, John, we've gone quite a, a long time now. Um, so I'll get us, you know, moving out here on this show. But do you want to let everybody know uh, where to find you, where to find the newsletter, the podcast, all that good stuff before we get going? Uh, sure. Andrew always bugs me about um, being better about promoting. Uh, promote or, everything, promote John. Come on. So promote I, yourself. I will promote myself. Um, okay. Do you, do you remember your Twitter handle today? I do. I do. It is JC Macri, M-A-C-R-I, uh, NBA. Um, so that's my Twitter handle. Um, and if you go to that, uh, my Twitter page, you could find links to, I'm sure the newsletter is on there. And I think our merch store, which we run through T Public. Um, and then you could also just in your um, podcast app that you use, um, search for the Knicks Film School podcast. And then if you're a, a YouTuber, which I hear many of the young people are nowadays, you can search for Knicks Film School in uh, YouTube and our YouTube channel will uh, come up. I think we have like 6,000 something subscribers to that now. So that's that's fun. Feel free to become one of them and uh, you could see my smiling face come come at you every week. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I always love when you try to relate to the youth. I forget I forget what the phrase was you said when we were doing the pod the other day. But I didn't roast you for it, and now I wish I remembered what it was. Oh my god! Because it was not a particularly recent phrase. Like you said, like lit or something. You're like, as I hear the kids are saying, I lit. wait. Did you guys hear Mike Breen during the Suns game say the crowd is lit right now? I, I like, did. Yes, I heard that, so and it's, <laughs> it stood out to me. Um, I thought you were going to go the other way and, and say that I said something like the cat's pajamas or, or something of like that. No, no, you were trying to relate to the to the youngins, oh. and it was it was definitely a phrase from like. Like I don't think I'd ago. say lit. I, I I don't know that. I don't I, think it was lit, but it was something in that general vicinity. Uh, I I forget what it was. It was lit adjacent. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, because lit's like too cool for me. So I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Say <laughs> you, you have more self awareness than Bree. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, John, thanks so much for coming on, man. As always, uh, I'm sure that we'll have some more uh, crossing of paths this off season. Oh yes. Uh, but thank you for coming on, and it, this was fantastic as always. Everybody check out all the Knicks Film School stuff, of course. And until uh, next time, this has been Locked on Knicks. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out.